Hello and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, please visit our website at hopeforvermont.org. As well as if you're enjoying these podcasts, check out the live streams at Hope for Vermont on YouTube. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. And let's just pray. Jesus, our hearts are heavy. So often it seems recently that we desire for you to come and be the lifter of our head to not only feel your heartbeat, but know that you feel ours, our broken hearts, the heartache, the the concern for the unknown and the anxiety of what might happen. Father, we thank you that you know the future and you have plans to help us and not just to help us, but to let us thrive. Jesus, we just think of Deb right now, surround her. Thank you that your presence is with her, but let her know your peace. Father, we pray for Ed's daughters, that you would just um, bring Christians into their lives that would encourage them and let them know of your great hope. We thank you for Ed's testimony and his witness in his final days and weeks that he chose you and made that public. Father, we just think of those that have suffered loss, that are mourning, that are grieving, those that have changed jobs, that have moved locations, that are just questioning the next steps and how to move forward. God, we thank you that your wisdom is here. So God, let us be disciplined to get into your word, to listen to your voice, to follow you. Father, for all of those dealing with COVID that are struggling with illness, we just pray, God, that you would continue to be merciful. We thank you for your word, that your mercies are new every morning, and joy comes in the morning. So Jesus, let us choose your joy. We thank you, Father, and we just dare say we love you back. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for your calling and your purpose. Thank you for your family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for this place we call our local church. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we say amen, and we say thank you for uh, being a part this morning. Um, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. And as we um, continue, I was reminded of uh, a, a movie. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. And it is, well, the final words are a proclamation of one William Wallace who says, freedom, in his final closing breath. Freedom. We have great freedom. But sometimes we think our freedom is so we can get our way and do what we want, so we can go where we want to, we can say what we want to, and that's not freedom, that's kind of arrogance. Well, uh, before I get ahead of myself, let's just look at what resolutions have you made this year? What habits are you trying to develop? Are we desiring to get into God's word? It's been said that it takes 15 minutes a day, a minimum of 15 minutes a day, at least four times a week. To have the Bible change you, do you spend at least 15 minutes a day reading the Bible, listening to sermons, seeking out God's word, his voice through scripture, his love letter to us. 
15 minutes a day, four days a week, and you say, Jeff, I can barely get through the verse of the day. I'm a slow reader. It takes me 25 seconds every morning to read that verse of the day. We'll start there. Maybe you increase it to two or three minutes a day. And little by little, week by week, just add a minute or two minutes. And so that God's word, his resolution, his purpose for you can bring freedom into our lives. That we can know that God not only is for us, but he's called us. And in his strength, we can go after him because he loves us so much that we don't have to remain isolated. We don't have to remain just in our own little space saying it's God in me, but we can say, God, it's you and me for the sake of others. And that is a freedom that we have. This is Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't get tied up again because in your freedom, you start to make excuses. I am free to do this. I am free to do that. So we start to say God's forgiveness, his love covers me. So I'm free to get tied up again in that yoke of bondage, how I memorized it, in that slavery. We are free to be different, to have victory, to know that God loves us so much. And I was just reminded this week of, of how we don't look in the mirror. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we compare ourselves to ourselves or we look in the mirror and we see who else is in that reflection and we compare ourselves with our parents. We compare ourselves with those in the background. We compare ourselves with people and God is saying, do not compare yourselves with yourself, but compare yourself with what my word says. Let's go to uh, Paul, the apostle. Yes, Paul, who used to be known as Saul who became the apostle that wrote over half of the New Testament. Let's see what he has to say. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus, our Lord, with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Isn't it the freedom that we have to share the truth of Jesus that Satan can twist and turn and use to as shackles to hold us bondage in our own arrogance that we think we've done something marvelous when how marvelous, how wonderful is Jesus? He's the one, even though we have that freedom to choose, we are free for the purpose of someone else. You are free for the purpose of giving and sharing and serving others. You are free for God to use you for someone else, not just to do what you want or what you think is right. We are set free because we've surrendered our being to Jesus. You are set free. That freedom comes from being surrendered to Jesus. Doing things on your own doesn't mean that you are free. That means you are in bondage. Be set free because you've sacrificed your agenda. You've surrendered what you've desired for for the sake of Jesus, for what he desires for us and from us. Much like the Old Testament in Judges 21 through 25, in those um, days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. How many of us Christians professing believers, followers of Jesus. We just do what is right in our own eyes. We don't know what scripture says. We just think, if I was God, this is what I would do. If I am following based on my background, this is what I deem appropriate. 
instead of live righteously according to what God says. Our comparison is looking at who Jesus is. It's not just looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, hey, I see that reflection of my old self. I see that resemblance of my parents or my family. I see that. So I compare it to that. No, we compare to who Jesus is. So we do not do what is right in our own eyes and our own understanding and what we deem appropriate. We do what is right according to who Jesus is. First Corinthians 9, this kind of leads us to the, the text that we're looking at. First Corinthians 9, we're going to go through uh, today. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? And as Christians, don't we have the right? <clears throat> of course you have the right. You can do whatever you want. But even though you can do whatever you want, we are also, as Christians, subject to follow and obey, obedience, obey, do what God calls us to do out of reverence for him. Even though you can do whatever, everything is not beneficial. You have the right, but how do we use our rights? Do we use it in surrender to Jesus? Do we desire to follow him so that others might know him? Or do we think I'm going to heaven, so I'm going to get away with what I want to do. I'm going to do what I think is appropriate. You can have the right. But we jump down to 1 Corinthians 9, 11, and 12. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? And this is a very interesting passage for me as a pastor, for a pastor to preach, because it's Paul saying, I've invested in you. Now you can invest in me. I've given to you so you can... Uh, provide some food. You can help me with this ministry, whether it's financial resources, volunteering with your time, because I've done that. And so in humility, I'm trying to say, this is not what I'm asking as a pastor in your tithes and offerings. That's where I get my salary in our housing. And I've been so blessed this last year with your generosity, especially with the medical bills and everything that Bethany was going through. And we are blessed and we are so fortunate. And so it's not just about me as a pastor, but it's also about you as you invest your freedom that God has given you into others that they might know his salvation. We have planted spiritual seed among you. We have planted spiritual seed among you. If you support others, who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. And so I want to touch on this real fast, real fast. So I don't want to talk really fast, but I want to touch on it quickly and say that you can support any ministry you want. I hope you do. Bethany and I do. And we are blessed by the radio broadcasts, the podcasts, the sermons from different individuals. But the reality is if there is a need for a hospital visit or a funeral or some resource, it's the local church that most likely will meet those needs, not that national ministry that you benefit from. And so give to all as God leads. But there is something about the local church where there's a special love for one another, a connection, a common unity, a community where we dare say that God is desperately for us and revealed himself through 
the love of each other. And that's why we would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. So if people choose to give to whoever, that's between you and God. I, as a pastor of Living Hope Wesleyan Church, if you call Living Hope Wesleyan Church your church, we are here to serve you. Because we don't want to be an obstacle. We don't want something to come in that Satan could use to divide. An obstacle. Something that you feel is so unnecessary that it causes division. Something that it causes not only frustration, but it's a distraction. And too often distraction leads to disappointment. Disappointment to discouragement. And discouragement to depression where you can't believe anybody at church would do such a thing. You can't believe anybody that professed to be a Christian would act in such a way. We don't want any obstacle to come in the way of the good news of who Jesus is. Jumping down to verse 16. Yeah, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. I'm compelled by God to preach the good news. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I didn't preach the good news, if I did not share of God's love, his mercy, and there has been such a groundswell of individuals that say Christians talk too much about the love of God. They have to talk about sinners in the hands of an angry God. And though there was a tremendous servant that God used for that time, we are not sinners in the hands of an angry God. We are sinners in the hands of a loving father that cares so much for us, that wants us to respond to his conviction that we might have life and not just get through life, but have abundant life, not just be ones that survive and ones that just live in scarcity, but ones that understand that all of him is for all of us, so we can have that cleansing of our sin in the spiritual, but also in the mental and in the emotional and the physical. We can live with great purpose. Does that mean you are going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? No, but it does mean that wisdom comes from knowing who Jesus is. And Jesus says that in spite of whatever you're going through, you can learn a lesson about God, a lesson that he can teach you so that you can show others that our hope is not in our own resilience. It is not in our own strength. That It is not in our own discipline, but our wisdom is in knowing that God loves us and he is here for us so we can live in his freedom and how why would we not share that good news with others we are compelled how terrible it is when we do not share that good news with others it is terrible it's been said preach always when necessary use words Preach always when necessary, use words. Preach always by how you live, praying and interceding that people respond to the wooing, the calling, the beckoning, the gentle love, the meek grace of the Holy Spirit. Preach always when necessary, use words. 1 Corinthians 9, 19, even though I am a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Even though I am free, I've become a slave to bring many to Christ. Why? It's because we understand this freedom. It's not so we can do what we want. Well, I'm free to choose. Well, I'm free to do this. Well, I can vote. Well, I'm, a, I'm an American. Well, I can. Yes. That's great. That's wonderful. And we live, in my opinion, in the greatest country ever because we have all of these freedoms. But Jesus is saying that our freedom is to be used to compel others to his mercy, not just to do what we want to do. How can we show empathy? 
I was in a pastor's meeting on a Zoom call, and there was a pastor that made a comment that frustrated me, frankly. And this pastor said that many people are coming to our church because our local church does not have the same regulations as the church they previous went to. And he was very excited and upbeat about that. And I thought, uh, I want to be, and perhaps in my own arrogance, or perhaps in my soapbox, or, but I want to be a place where non-Christians come and they feel comfortable and welcomed in a place where they sense that they can belong, not a place where Christians can gather and say, hey, look at us, we can do what we want, but a place where non-Christians, unbelievers, non-Bible uh, readers can come and say, man, there's something different about this place. And you evangelicals, you Bible believers, you treat me with respect, you treat me with dignity, you treat me with love, you approve of my, me being a created being of God, of a higher power. And if we want the Bible to convict people, then we must love people. If we want the Bible to convict people, we, Christian, must love people. As we look at uh, Corinthians 9, we jump down to verse 22. Verse 22 says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Do everything I can to save some. Find common ground. Are we looking to find common ground or are we looking to see, oh, you're kind of different than me. Oh, that's pretty obvious. Eh, I don't know about that. Oh, I can love you, but I wish you would change. Do we focus on the common ground or do we focus on the difference? Focus on the common ground where sometimes you need to search out. You need to work the soil. You need to go deep and you can find the common ground so that God can use you to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Verse 22. Do we become all things to all people to save some? This is verse 22. To the weak, I became weak to the uh, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Paul writing, knowing that he does not do the saving. It's Jesus that does the saving. Jesus does the work. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus the Son, they do that. But we are instruments. We are tools. We are conduits that God can use us and he can flow through us that we might become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. That's everything you can do without sinning, do for Jesus. Anything that you can do without sinning, use for God's glory. Whatever you can do without sinning, you have the freedom for God to use you in that way for the sake of others, for the sake of salvation, for the reason that they might know the hope that we profess, the hope of eternal life, not just to die and go to heaven, but be able to make it through with a positive perspective and outlook on what's taking place now, that we don't just look at the negative, but we find the common ground that God's created us all with a great purpose, with a great mystery that we might be used of him as his 
his slaves, do I dare say it, as his disciples, his followers, those committed so much to him that we give up the right for our own choice to believe that his choices, his decisions, his wisdom is the best. This is what we desire that we might see some saved, that we might see some saved. Your authentic self is the one that identifies with Christ and God. Your authentic self is the one that identifies with Jesus Christ in God. Your authentic self equals your identity with Christ in God. That's what he is designed to get us to. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. Some of us are running this Christian life just to make it. Oh, if I sin, if I fail, I just want to cross the finish line. I just want to make it. And perhaps there are days where that's okay, but God is saying you can win. You can run in victory. You don't have to hold on to that baggage, to that old self. You don't have to hold on to that temptation, to that sin that just wraps you up, that gets you back in bondage and slavery. For it is Christ who has set us free and let us not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5.1. Run to win. Run to be set free. Run with victory that God has for us. How do you do that? Well, be disciplined, self-disciplined. Yes, self-control, sure. But being in a place where you are completely surrendered and to submit and obey what God has. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. And let me suggest that that eternal prize is not just eternal life for yourself, but the eternal life that we can share and give to others. What if we lived understanding that other people's eternity, we get to influence, we get to impact by how we live, by how we share are we disciplined to think of others that we might live differently so that they might know that Jesus is real, that Jesus is truly for them and he helps them? So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I am not just comparing myself to the one I see in the mirror. I'm not comparing to those that are around me. It's comparing myself with the one who created me. Do we shadow box do we look in the mirror do we punch the air or do we train our bodies to face the enemy hidden with christ and god with the full armor of god knowing that sometimes all you can do is lift the shield of faith and stand lift the shield of faith and stand and have that faith that god is before you god is strong enough that god is helping you that we can surrender to him and as we look in the mirror, we see his reflection. We don't look to see, are, am I doing better than I was? Am I, it's like, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to go after him. So I run with a purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I fear I might be disqualified. First Corinthians 9.27. I fear I might be disqualified. I fear that sometimes my actions take away from revealing the grace and truth of Jesus. 
I fear that sometimes my words are spoken so quickly that it comes from my own bent instead of from the truth of what scripture says, that it is not filtered by the Holy Spirit through the lips of God, that it speaks words of life, but it speaks words that tear down. And I fear that because I do that, I might become disqualified because I am not revealing who Jesus is. I'm representing a person that's broken. And let us not fear but let us learn to love as Jesus loves, as God calls us. And in 1 John 4, 18, we read these words, such love that God has shown to us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That love that the only Jesus could save us in that pure, genuine, authentic, transforming love, his forgiveness, such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We fear punishment when God wants to discipline us. We discipline our bodies so that we can change. We can become. We don't fear punishment. So we cower and we're scared and we're full of shame and guilt. But God says he will discipline us discipline those he loves such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear perfect love expels casts out removes all fear are we remaining abiding resting in his perfect love as a branch connected to the vine perfect love drives out all fear we can live in his perfect love so we don't fear about being disqualified, but we are so enthralled with our identity as his that we can't help. You can't help but be motivated to live his grace, his mercy, his empathy, his forgiveness to others so that others might know Jesus, that others might know him. We are not shadow boxing. We are being disciplined. Not that we might have freedom to do whatever we want, but we have that freedom as we're hidden with Christ and God, that freedom to share with anyone that we have compassion for them because Jesus died for their sins as he died for ours. And we can know that he saves us. And what we see now will soon pass away. And we can fix our eyes on Jesus who is unseen because he will be revealed in time to come. What a blessed reminder to share with you that God is with us, he is for us, he loves us and he helps us. So may we intercede for others as we embrace and accept and receive his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy and his joy that we live in such a way that others would know him as well. Jesus, we thank you that your perfect love expels all fear. We thank you, God, for this high calling to become like you so that we can show the authentic self of being your creation to all people in hopes to win some. We thank you, Father, for the words of Paul in these letters reflected in the New Testament of the Bible. 
that we can be convicted, that we can change, that we can submit to your authority and trust that you are big enough, strong enough, that you are more loving than us to woo and compel and help others to see their need for you. So God, as you convict, may we love. As you convict, may we reveal how you've forgiven us and share that forgiveness with others. We thank you, Jesus. We ask that you would continue to be you, the one who is present, the one who is faithful, the one who is with us. Your calling, your purpose, your passion, let us live in it and revel in it and share you. We thank you, Father. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.